Aaron, are are the roads always cleared before you come out here when you're working? Short answer, no. <laughs> they they can be quite a mess coming out on on certain days before the before and after the storm is hit. So you're out here even before the plows are out. In most occasions, yes, uh, we will we will beat them out. Um, mostly because the team has to be here on site prior to the storm hitting. So we will try to get here before the heavy heavy stuff hits, but that is not always the case. Um, more often, when we're relieving the staff that had been stuck there for a couple of days, you'll come out through some questionable roads to to get them back home. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Eyes on Earth. We're a podcast that focuses on our ever-changing planet and on the people here at Eros and across the globe who use remote sensing to monitor and study the health of Earth. My name is Sherry Levesay, and I'll be hosting today's episode. The Earth Resources Observation and Science Center is located about 10 miles north of Sioux Falls, South Dakota. To get there, you take two-lane country roads with few landmarks. Ice, snow, and above all, lack of visibility can make the trip hazardous during winter. So we're talking to Joe Blahovic, Chief of the Satellite and Ground Systems Operations Branch, and Aaron Hensley, who is the Ground Station Shift Lead for KBR, to find out what it takes to maintain Landsat data processing when wintry weather, as well as extreme events in other seasons, threatens to keep the workforce at home. Events like the recent pre-Christmas storm and the blizzard that dumped 12 inches of snow test the concept of essential employees. So Aaron, what does it mean to be an essential employee or an emergency employee at Eros? What are the jobs that really need people on site? For an essential employee, I guess I would say uh, staff that need to be here outside of regular working hours or that need to be here to uh, take care of assets in adverse conditions when regular staff goes home. The jobs locally, at least from my perspective, I'm in the ground station, so we deal with Landsat particularly. That would be a lot of the, the satellite reception, so any of the data that comes to the ground or from the ground to the spacecraft, that, that is managed by us. So we need to be here pretty much around the clock to make sure that those things happen as they should, when they should, without fail. Do you have any ideas about how many people are on the list of essential employees? So security here is here on site 24-7, no exceptions. And of course, the Landsat ground station crew are here 24-7, no exceptions. On my team, there are six of us. We try to be considerate of people's time. Uh, we don't necessarily need to have two or three people to spend several days here. So if, if we know that adverse conditions are coming up, we will work with the team and, and, and dictate when the storm is going to hit compared to who's on shift and when. And we'll try to keep that down to minimum staff. Like one person may be here overnight or for a day or two to, to manage the assets while they're there. Who makes the call about when to close the center? Is there a team? And do you have a rubric you follow? Joe, you want to take that one? So the deputy center director, John Hong, makes the final call with information from Bruce Potter the key decision points, whether it's the facility roads, the weather, uh, the weather forecast, um, and blizzards, anything blowing snow visibility are typically we close. But the, the decision is based on a safety judgment of people coming out here or not coming out here. And uh, so at times, uh, John, if he has, if he needs to or, or has the time to, he'll confer with the senior leadership team to kind of make the final decision. How does leadership keep in contact with essential personnel during these kinds of weather events? So the senior leadership is somewhere else and they need to 
keep tabs on what's going on here? Who, how do they do that, Joe? So the main point of contact is the USGS emergency alert and response system. So that'll send out text messages, voicemails, or voice calls to the site personnel to let them know whether the site is open or closed. Uh, if it does close, it'll give a status update when it's back open again to tell people when they come in. Once a site is closed, everything is done by phone calls and, and text communications between the teams. What kind of resources do we keep here at Eros? say, if you're going to stay overnight for a few days? The facility has been taking care of us in the past. We have access to a military-type cot and blankets and pillows. Um, having served for a few years, I don't necessarily take use of those. So a lot of a lot of folks will bring out like a, like an air mattress and blankets, something that sleeping bags, anything that would make them comfortable. Typically, this time of the year, you will see people packing up, you know, dry goods, you know, anything that, that could be used to, you know, cleaning or, you know, food resources, anything that you can throw in a microwave and kind of heat up. So we have access to those things as well. So we, we will keep a lot of things on on hand in the event that these things happen. So we're, we're pretty well prepared. Joe, do you have any uh, knowledge about that? What leadership does or what you do uh, to make sure people are, have what they need when they're out here? I make sure that my people go home, <laughs> except for Aaron's people. They have to stay here. But I've heard the cops. I've heard that we've had cops here, and we have usually well-stocked vending machines, but I don't think they'd last three days. <laughs> so siting the center in South Dakota means dealing with extremes throughout the year. There's blizzards, lightning, hail, tornadoes, flooding. What other weather events have you experienced through the years, Aaron? You know, previously, uh, going back to when the ground station was new, this was prior to the ray domes being put over the top of the dishes. Uh, South Dakota is very well known for high winds. So you would always have to store the antenna like what we'd call a birdbath scenario, straight up and down, just so that the wind would not have an impact on those big parabolic dishes when it was come across the plains. Uh, so winds have always been a, a big thing. Um, from a ground station perspective, anything that's, you know, coming out of the sky, if it's moisture, it can have a real impact on data reception. So we keep our eyes to the weather channel pretty close just to make sure that we know what's coming and, and you know, see how it may have an adverse impact on, on our daily work. Who's the person who clears off the snow from the radome if there's snow on there? Or how does that work? If you go out to the radome, you will notice there are ropes that go from the very top of the radome down to the bottom. So you have to be careful because you're going to, you're going to bang that rope on that radome. And of course you don't want to drag the snow snowbank down on your head, but uh, there, we do use that to actually keep that clear. Typically the radomes are heated, you know, they are temperature controlled, so they don't necessarily store all the big snow like you'd see on the roof of a house. And of course they look like a, a large soccer ball, so they will slide up, but we do have access to the ropes and whoever's on site, whether it's my team or the engineers, you know, if we can get out there to, monitor it, see if it's a problem, and then we can take care of it with that. It seems like one of the more challenging situations for Eros in general would be power outages, which could happen any time of year. How does that affect workers and equipment? Aaron? Technology has changed. Um, in the day, that was, that was a very big worry. Um, our UPS systems have been updated. So we do, on occasion, see power outages. It has much less impact today than it did even five, 10 years ago. Uh, in the past, it was a matter of getting the entirety of the computer room shut down because we just didn't have the coolers and the chilling units. So things get very hot very quickly and that's 
very damaging for the RF equipment that we work with. So it was a time constraint, really. You had to get that equipment off and managed so that it didn't burn itself up. Today, the UPS works so much better. I know there is some time constraints with that. You, you won't run for days and days that way. But uh, today, we don't have to worry so much about getting equipment off. But it is something that we monitor. If the UPS starts to go bad, then we'd have to resort back to those things. But it's we, we are far more functional today in that respect than we were. Explain to me what UPS stands for. Universal power system. So when, when you go off the grid, I believe they're large diesel generated backup systems is what they are. And, and they, they will fire up and function and give us, uh, give us power in, in the time that we need it where we're not actually functioning off the grid. COVID changed the employee presence at the center in unexpected ways. Now, a majority people of people work at home for at least part of the week. And when hazardous weather has threatened, most people don't get a snow day. Uh, how has that changed the hazardous weather decision-making process? Joe, you want to go first on this one? So the decision-making process really hasn't changed. It's still all about, all about safety and safety of the employees. Um, so for, for severe weather events, we still have the same protocols uh, and conditions. However, for certain things like something that's coming up tomorrow, where the, the forecast is ever changing, you know, today it's two inches, tomorrow it's five inches, you know, those type of events now, we have the ability to do what we call maximum telework days. So most of the non-essential people can stay home in the comforts of their house and log in and continue to be productive from home and not have to bear the weather and drive out here depending on the road, snow, the road conditions. So um, there are still few people that have to come out here. COVID had such a big impact with that, you know, for safety measures, you know, you're used to walking around a facility and just seeing several people and the faces of the people you work with. And admittedly, from my perspective, I'd like to see y'all come back because I never see anybody. It's, it's so it's so different now than it was. Uh, and, and it probably will stay that way. But from a ground station perspective, um, it didn't change a lot. We did adjust because we have overlapping overlapping shifts. So we just kind of we dialed in our, our times where we actually had connection to one another. You know, there wasn't so much, you know, communication between each other and time around one another. So we just in the interest of safety, we we kind of kept our space, let let oncoming shifts know what's going on and then. We went on about our day and, and, and you know, kind of kept the distance and things have changed. So we, we can do a little telework in the office. So if we have more than one scheduled, typically one will work from home and one will work in the office just in that same interest. The dynamic has changed. I'm sure we could all get back together again. But, you know, some people do enjoy working from home, too. So. I'd like to thank Aaron and Joe for talking about how essential workers at Eros help ensure South Dakota's winter weather doesn't cause a break in Landsat's 50-year record of remote observation of Earth. And thank you listeners for joining us on Eyes on Earth. You can find all our shows on the USGS Eros website. You can also follow Eros on Facebook or Twitter to find the latest episodes or to subscribe on Apple or Google Podcasts. This podcast, this podcast, this podcast, this podcast, this podcast is a product of the U.S. Geological Survey, Department of Interior.